Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Freshly back from... The grave? <laughs> New Orleans. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nolens, as apparently they hate it called down there. Oh God, yeah. New Orleans, Nolens. I think it's just New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans. <laughs> Let's just keep inventing new ways to say it. Well, that's that Simpsons. Have you heard that Simpsons musical? No. So Marge is in a musical version of Streetcar Named Desire called Streetcar! Exclamation point. And the opening song is New Orleans, <laughs> rotten, stinky, smelly, vile New Orleans. Wow. Which is not true. I love New Orleans. Me too. And it was actually pretty nice this time around. It was super nice. We went time. in the spring. Last time they had it in early summer. It's kind of worked out. The weather was beautiful. Yeah. That's right. So this is the Overlook Film Festival that obviously takes place in, you guessed it, New Orleans from March 30th through April 2nd. So uh, this year they had 110 filmmaker guests. Uh, this is the highest number to date and four days full of horror. So we started our adventure on Thursday and went all the way through Sunday. I think they had a bonus day now for the first time ever. Yeah, Monday was a bonus On Monday, day. but we had to travel. Yeah. So I guess had, that's why they called it local day. Yeah. Uh, there was 44, uh, 45 sold out shows and approximately 5,000 audiences in total attendance, which makes sense from some of those lines. I feel like the lines weren't as long as last year. The because big we ones. were like always the first people in it. In line? Yeah, <laughs> we were smart. I know. There was world premieres at this festival. Several. Again, same as last year. And so there was uh, The Accused and Clock. Uh, also Godless, The Eastfield Exorcism, and Trim Season, and We Kill for Love. Of those, Robert and I saw Accused and Clock. And Trim, and trim season. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's we, right. We caught a couple of the world premieres. Yeah, I think we had everything of all the shorts and all the films, and of course the shorts, there's a lot more of those, you know. We watched 75% of mm-hmm. everything, right? And so I think most of that uh, lasting like 25%, we, like, we, we, we might have missed like two features and like five shorts from the last round of shorts. But we saw a lot. We did. And we were fortunate enough to get some screeners. So we even got to see one after the fact. That's right. And we can still watch some more from the festival. But it was kind of important for us to get this out early while it's fresh. And to sort of give you guys um, an idea of what's coming to you horror-wise. Hopefully this year. Because we saw a lot of good movies. Yeah, and I think what we want to do is kind of work our way through the features. Yes. We might make some special mentions for some of the shorts, especially as we get to like the audience awards. Yeah, for sure. Right. But yeah, no, I I, uh, I think we should talk about some of the movies and then maybe talk about the festival as a whole. Sure. Yeah. So uh, right off the bat, we, we opened with Renfield, which was, of course, the festival opener. That's right. So the festival has an opener in the middle is uh, the secret screening. And at the end, it has a closing film, mm-hmm. even though it's not like the last film. They call it the closing. And so the closing was ended up being uh, Evil Dead. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, of course, we're definitely going to be talking about that secret screening. Yeah. Their centerpiece film, mm-hmm. which was su- surprising because it was secret. And also because, spoiler alert, it's real good. Yeah. So speaking of the first film, like uh, Renfield, what did uh, what did we think of Renfield? So I had the lowest of expectations going into Renfield. I had middle ground, yeah. Yeah, I um, like I wasn't too impressed with the trailer. I felt like I knew what the movie was, you know, and I was just like, I don't know that this is something that I want to see. And 
I ended up liking Renfield a lot more than I thought I was going to. Really? And okay. I feel like lowering expectations or not having high expectations going into it uh, was good. Because I kind of actively didn't want to watch the movie, you know? And I was just like, it's opening movie. We're going to go do it anyway. And I there were some surprising parts to Renfield that made me like it a lot more. Yeah. And this is, this is the one where Nicolas Cage is playing Dracula, uh-huh. right? And Renfield is played by Nicholas Holt. Right. And, of course, we've got Aquafina, Who's amazing. You know, uh, who kind of like in Shang-Chi is just there as kind of like the sidekick, you know, but she also has a, a good story. And it's a, it's a fun movie. It's a good popcorn, go with friends type of movie. Uh, I would recommend seeing this on the big screen. Like, it has a lot of interesting, you know, kind of epic scenes that you will want to barf. Uh, although I love gore personally, and so does Robert. Yeah. So that doesn't really bother us. But if you are into gore at all or doesn't bother you, then Renfield might be for you. I mean, I'll caveat. I'll caveat that because sometimes when I'm watching movies that are very, very gory and it's way too realistic, as we'll get into in some of these other movies, it's kind of like I have to look away for a minute, you know? Um, It just depends on the spirit in which the gore is presented. Right. And so the tone of Renfield is like an action hot comedy horror adjacent, you know? I mean, it's very, very stylized violence, right? But it's it's way, way more violent and way more bloody than the trailer lets on, right? And I, I feel like some of the stuff they just couldn't put into a trailer, it was going to be Red Band, you know? Yeah. And um, it's it's shockingly violent, but in a comedic way. Yeah. It's barely um, a horror movie. Yeah. it's I mean, it's just like, a, it's a comedy, essentially. And I, I laughed. I laughed several times. Yeah. And I feel like Aquafina is an amazing actress both in like dramatic work and especially comedy. And I feel like she kind of carried this movie and Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Cause it, it, the trailer makes it seem like kind of a bit part and it is secondary to everything, but my God, he's so hammy in this like chewing scenery the whole time. And even he was a better Dracula than I was expecting. He so. was, and he was fun. He, he had a lot of fun with it and yeah. I think he, he kind of owns it. Mm-hmm. And I think he, you know, he is, you know, worthy of standing alongside some of the others on the list, the long, long list of people who have played Dracula. Maybe not, certainly not to the level of like Gary Oldman, you know, no. but I mean, I do want to like kind of walk back a little bit about what I said about Aquafina. Like she's not really this, like she has her own story. She's the most fully fleshed out story. Yeah. Nicholas Halt doesn't have much to do, but just exists as the story surrounds, uh, surrounds him. And then Dracula just doesn't have much to do shockingly and he's the coolest funnest character you know and so it's it's really i don't know like i wanted more story i wanted more dracula i wanted more renfield and it just didn't really give it just wasn't about that and so uh, i think our combined rating was a three and a half star so yeah three and a half stars i think is a fair rating for this yeah and again higher than i thought we would give it honestly so renfield is coming out um by the time this recording is released as an episode, Renfield will be out, I feel, that Friday. So yeah. really, really close. And like Chris said, this is probably a, a theater screen screening if you want to watch it. You know, if this mm-hmm. is something that's on your list, go see it in the theater because yeah. there are really funny, bloody moments and you'll want a big screen for that. Speaking of funny, bloody moments, our <laughs> next <laughs> our next film is Smoking Causes Coughing, which I had never really heard of before this festival. But just reading the synopsis and, and noticing the other things that this guy has done, this director also did a film called Rubber, right? Yeah. Where it's a, like this uh, sentient tire that... <laughs> Well, we, we've talked about rubber on a top tens episode when yeah. we did cursed and, uh, objects. Yeah. Cursed objects. Yeah. And so I like this man's movies. His movies are absurd in a way that only a Frenchman can be, you yeah. know, it's not exactly extremity, but it's something. Yeah. It's, it's something like he just makes these weird, absurdist, 
movies and this one was no exception to his filmography like it is very definitely one of this man's movies yeah so what this is what it turned out to be was an anthology right and so smoking causes coughing is not what you think it is. It's about Power Rangers, essentially. Uh-huh. Right? And so they're, they're called the t- Tobacco Force. Tobacco Force. And they all have, like, different chemicals from the cigarettes that they kill monsters with. Nicky. And it's really bloody and disgusting. <laughs> and then they're trying to, like, they go to, like, this camp to try and, like, coalesce their team, you know, building powers because they're, like, falling apart. You know, and their version of Zordon or whatever, you know, the leader that's sending them on missions is, like, this lizard thing. Rat. Rat. It's a rat that's, like, constantly oozing this green goo. <laughs> out of its mouth and then they kind of like sexualize that and like well because one of the members of tobacco force like wants to fuck him and another one is you know and so it's i don't know it's It's completely absurdist and like uh that's kind of a spoiler but definitely go see this it's hilarious Mm -hmm. and it's a lot different than you might expect it's absurdist there's a lot of gore it's fun uh it's french you know, so if you can catch this one in independent cinema, um, you know, or whatever comes out on streaming, please do, because our combined score is a four and a half. Yes. And it was an amazingly fun movie. I feel like this was really near the top of of everyone's list. Right. Going into the festival. Like, yeah. I, I really wanted to watch this one because I appreciate that director a lot. And I know that you wanted to see this. And um uh, everyone who went with us like was just ready, ready to watch this movie. And I feel like everyone really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So after that, we had, we started our second day of the festival by watching a Canadian queer horror werewolf movie called my animal. Right. And so I think that basically encapsulates it. It's a Canadian lesbian werewolf ish movie yeah where the werewolf parts of it are kind of really just in like hazy montage and the rest is kind of like room with the view of the canadian countryside where in the distance if you really squint your eyes you can see a lesbian werewolf (laughs) so that's kind of what this movie is (laughs) i probably didn't enjoy it as much as others did in our party yeah i I feel like I was very, very generous with this movie when I was thinking about it afterward and giving a personal rating. And I don't know. I just, I didn't have a good time watching it. A combined score of three seems appropriate for this movie. It's not, it's not horrible. I don't know. It's kind of a slog. And like, normally I'm a sucker for like these queer coming of age stories. Small casts, you know, limited, uh, you know, set pieces. But it just didn't, it just didn't. Do it I didn't me. care about almost any of the characters except for the yeah. one that died. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, can we have a werewolf in the werewolf movie? I mean, is really? that, for is real? It, is it too much to ask? Yeah. Um, and I, I that was my biggest thing is that like, okay, it's it's clear from the get-go, it's clear from the very beginning of this movie that it's a werewolf film. We're not trying to hide anything, there's no reveal, right? Yeah. And yet there's no reveal. No. You know? And so I I, I'm we get all, the low budget. We don't need to see a transformation, but something. Yeah, something. Yeah. And like, I, I'm all for like a slow burn drama. Not even any like sharpened press on nails, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fucking Wolfsbane or something. Give us something. We've. I mean, there was a better lesbian werewolf in horror movies already over the last couple of years. And it certainly wasn't my animal. For real. <laughs> so for real, for real. Okay. Speaking of other things have been better. The next thing we saw was trim season. I kind of like trim season. I thought it was, it was okay. After leaving my animal, like we could only go up, up, up and uh, like trim season 
did it for me on on some kind of level, right? So this is a movie about <clears throat> some down on their luck Los Angelino women who are trying to make some money and they are recruited to go and trim pot at this like marijuana farm. Yeah, they're trimming the 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 bud. The bud. Yeah. And with with other women who are there to do the same thing and you know mysterious things are afoot it seems like there's something supernatural going on and there is yeah and people are getting i don't know nipped in the bud <laughs> yeah and so this is one of those movies where it kind of starts off like you know serious as a car accident and then it just gets campier and campier and campier as it goes along yeah either intentionally or unintentionally and i'm still on the fence with that I hope to God it was intentional. At the very, very least, I feel like the one saving grace from this movie, the thing that pushed it over a three star into a three and a half, was that that actress's portrayal. Well, all the actresses did an excellent job. Yes. Right? I feel like it's the story and the pacing that's an issue. And Alex Esso is in this, and she's um, she was the starry eyes. She played, yeah, uh, Wendy Torrance and Doctor Sleep, you know, and so like she's she's a Flanagan favorite, and she was good to see. Uh, but this this main actress and I forget her name, but she she was in V, right? Like back in the eighties, and she gives the most like drag queen esque performance, and she was just really fun to watch. She reminded me of like Barbara Hershey or something. Yes, maybe like a, a younger yeah. Barbara Hershey. I mean, she carries herself like that. Yeah, but she was again like just like Nicolas Cage in Renfield. I mean, she was like chewing scenery and just like being the hammiest of hammy actors. And it did it for me. Right. I I thought that her performance was so over the top. Some of the like costume choices for her. So over the top, like we said, coming out of my animal, like this was very definitely a horror movie. Yes. You know, and it was good to, to watch a horror movie at the horror movie festival. Yeah. And, and there was some gore in this. And I mean, I, I wasn't really surprised by anything in the movie. I felt like it was very straightforward and, you know, you can sort of call some things from a mile away, but it doesn't make it less enjoyable because of that. For how campy, like at the end is trying to do like something kind of like the witch or something. Yeah. And, and it's like, it doesn't really earn it. Right. And so there's some, there's some just like, it needs some weird editing or, or something to just make it a little bit sharper or to make it earn that ending because it gets a little too campy or self-serious mm-hmm. for how campy it does get. And so I don't know what needs to be adjusted, but maybe they have the chance. I don't know. And this was our second world premiere of the festival after Renfield, right? So yeah. it was, it was, it's really neat. And this is one of the things that I enjoy so much about going to a film festival and especially the overlook is because they, they get a lot of these world premieres and it's really neat to be one of the first people in the world to sit in the theater and watch it. Right. Yeah, Non-industry sure. people. And I really, really enjoy that. And I mean, it's it's really good when you come out of those and get to speak highly of it, which I feel we're about to do with our third world premiere of the festival. And that's a movie called Clock. That's right. And this is, I think, your favorite. Um, until we watch the screener. But yeah, so my favorite of the movies that we physically saw at the festival. Yes, Clock was my favorite. Yeah, and I definitely didn't enjoy it as much. And so our combined rating is a four because I think you gave it a five. I gave it four and a half. Four and a half? Okay, mm-hmm. then I must have given it a three and a half. So we are at a four for a combined rating for this. It is definitely a watch. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's a theater watch. Um, I don't know that it's like epically on screen, you know, but it's definitely something you do, do not want to miss, especially because of how important it is. Yeah. To me, it's not as good as it is important. I think it belabors the point a little bit. And the final scene puts a big question mark in my mind of where they're laying this question on the scale of morality. Uh, either they need to make it or have, need to have made it more obvious 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, or or cut it completely because it, it does belabor the point a little bit. But it's very important because this is about a woman's uh, biological clock, mentally speaking, not physically, right? right. The want, the need, uh, the drive to have a child or to be a mother and the societal pressure from family, friends and society in general to be a mother and to have children and some people being very, very direct and saying, you know, um, you're selfish for not wanting to, you know, the spirit babies or whatnot. And, you know, uh, maybe even, Hey, like everyone survived this horrible thing. Like she happens to be Jewish, you know, and, uh, her family had survived the Holocaust, you know, and it's important to like, why, why would we all have survived this if you're not going to, you know, pump out some babies to continue the generation, <laughs> you know, like what was, what is the meaning to it? And that's not fair to put on someone. And so that's, that's what this movie is about and what she goes through, through experiments, uh, medical experimentation and what her mind goes through. And you're always questioning, is it real or is it not? And it's one of those films and it's really, really good. I feel like it was expertly made. Um, there are some color choices made in this movie that start out kind of subtly, even though like looking back at it, not so subtle until it gets to a point where there's just like technicolor reveal, you know, but I thought the performance by Diana Argon, I think is her name. And she recently was on Oscar shortlist for a movie called Shiva Baby, right? Where mm-hmm. she played another uh, sort of Jewish role. And um, I don't know, she was just excellent in this fucking movie. She was so, so good. And again, like coming from my animal and trim season into a movie like Clock, which to me is a film, you know? Uh, it was just exciting. It was exciting to watch that performance. Uh, it, it made a lot of really good horror choices. There's some horribly like off-putting imagery oh, yeah. in this movie. And I, I mean, I, I'm not going to describe it because I want people to go and watch it. And this is going to be easily accessible. This is a Hulu movie. It is going to be on streaming this year for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And I just really want people to go and watch this for the performance alone. What kind of makes me sad coming out of this festival is that some of these movies that are going to be put onto streaming and not giving a given a theatrical release, there are some good performances. There's some good story going on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of these movies are so good and some of these performances are so good that this is like this is always the year, right? This is the year the Academy is going to get involved and like nominate somebody. And I feel like her performance as a woman sort of on the verge is clearly, clearly Oscar worthy or at least award worthy to me. Think Tony Collette in Hereditary. Eh. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> I mean, I, I liked it more than you did. Um, my friend Alex went with us. He liked it a lot. And I was excited to see this because I'd never even heard of it. But I really, really dug it. I would totally watch it again. And I would totally recommend people to watch this movie. Yeah. For sure. Another recommendation is what we saw next, which is something called The Accused, which is another world premiere, I believe. Yes, it is a world premiere. And our combined rating for that was four and a half. And this is a home invasion movie. That's right. It's a little bit of a twist on it because it also is one of those, just like the previous movie, that is actually just as good as it is important. And it is scary. And it is tense. And uh, this is about someone being falsely accused for a crime. And then social media kind of social media uh, vigilantes getting kind of all, you know, rumbled up to go out and like do something about it and go after this person, even though it's falsely accused. So that's where the title comes from. And it's really, really important and really, really, really good. And uh, I would definitely show this to anyone. I would too. And I, unfortunately we're not allowed to talk too much about it 
on the show. Again, with the great performances, though, I mean, like the lead actor in this movie is so good and so believable. Really good. Like that to me was the Oscar worthy performance of everything that we definitely. I mean, like he just like was so good. And Chris is right. This movie is tense. Like once once things get started, it is an intense movie and it does not let up until the very end of it. Yeah. And it's just like clock has a very important message. Yep. And I, I really like it when horror does this, right? Horror and other genre films have the ability, like we have talked about on this podcast many times, to convey a message to everyone, right? Because everyone likes to watch movies like this. People like to go watch horror and be sort of taken out of the real world they live in. But that doesn't mean that we can like sneak it in every once in a while and give someone like a message that they need to see. Like there are going to be some people who may feel like those vigilantes and accused at some point. You can really easily see that this could happen. You oh, can yeah. easily imagine that this could happen in real life if it hasn't already. You know? And I would like to think that someone would watch this movie and walk away from it and say, maybe I need to change my views on things. Maybe I need to look at how I use social media. Maybe the court of public opinion isn't a court. That's right. Because it's not. And I don't know. I just like, again, the performance. I He, he makes the movie, you know, and like everything that you feel, all the anger that you feel about what he's going through and the terror that you feel about what he's going through feels very, very real because this could easily happen at any fucking point. I, I, I bet after seeing this, a lot of casting directors are going to go after him. I hope so, because he was he was an excellent actor in this movie. I have no idea. I've never heard of him. I've never, never seen him in a movie. And out of everything that we watched at the horror film festival, I know this is going to sound silly, but like this is the, the most real movie, right? The most real and probably the most tense. Yes. And so, I mean, it's just, it was scary in ways that only something that can happen in the real world can be. And you, and he really brings the audience along with him empathetically. Like you really are mm-hmm. like in his place with him. Oh yeah. So anyway, speaking of people's, whose careers are going to go sky, sky high. Yeah. Is, uh, the director's of this movie which was our secret screening Woo. which uh was a world premiere in sundance i believe yes and uh this movie is called talk to me that's right um this is an australian film mm-hmm. and um i had read like a couple like snippets about it when it was at sundance and a lot of people said that it was really good but there were some larger horror movies that sort of overshadowed it at sundance and um so when we found out this was the secret screening, I was like, okay, you know, I hear this is good and it's going to come out this year. So let's watch it. Right. Well, we, we didn't know what it was until we sat down in the theater for sure. Yeah. But we thought it was going to be several other things like Malum or. Yeah. Know. I mean, we had a whole like, oh, it could be this. It could be that. Well, it could be the big shark. <laughs> My God. I was still was kind of hoping it was the big shark. <laughs> Jesus. But this movie, this movie is fucking terrifying it kind of blew us away and so i don't want to oversell it but our combined rating on talk to me is four and a half that's right so our second combined no our third combined four and a half so far in the yeah we had a really good festival and so talk to me uh is you know directed by these two guys that have been doing like viral youtube videos for a long time Mm -hmm. and making some short films and short horrors i I believe and then this is their first feature 
and uh, A24 bought them and are going to give it the full A24 marketing push, I think. Hopefully. I hope so. And it's set for a theatrical release, I think, in, in July. Yep. And uh, this is kind of one of those like a kids around a Ouija board movie, you know, where it's kind of maybe an allusion to drug use and things like that. Fuck around to find out. And uh, yeah. And so Talk to Me comes from them holding the hand of this like embalmed medium's hand, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they hold it and they say, talk to me. And then they can see things. Right. And then the next step, if they're brave enough, is to say, I let you in. And then if the spirit uh, is inside them and they uh, blow at the candle and tear off the hand from the person holding it within 90 seconds, then no, no permanent damage will be done. Well, wacky hijinks ensue and the things you see and the things that the spirits are trying to do and uh, the story moving forward can be very, very scary, very, very intense. And it was really refreshing to see a new spin on this kind of trope. And I really enjoyed it. I agree. I mean, because everything about this movie is tropey, you know, but they do it in such a fresh way. And they really take the time to create a good, like, environment, you know, by creating a game and showing it in a way that we're all familiar with at this point. You know, everyone's seen like a TikTok challenge or whatever. But there's, there's some really scary moments in this. I... Like I was on the edge of my seat. I was scared visually. Um, There's also some like gore moments in this that had me looking away or like wincing or just like anticipating what was going to be scary. And I love that in movies. So, I mean, like I get scared very, very easily, but when I'm very, very scared, I mean, there's just like no stopping it. Well, one thing I really like about these directors is that a, they know how to shoot horror. They know how to how to shoot it well, and they know how to pace it for scare. Mm-hmm. And for terror, but also they have an economy of storytelling and character, right? Like all of those characters, we know almost everything about just in the first few lines of dialogue they do and what they're doing. Like the mom, for example, Miranda Otto, I believe is her name. Yeah. Uh, she was in Lord of the Rings. And um, man, like, you know who that mom is and she's funny and she's great. And she's a real fleshed out person with a lot of immediacy. A lot of the characters feel like live wires. Yeah. Right. And they're big characters and they jump off the screen and there's just very, very little they have to do to make us believe and care about all of these characters. And so that's why I also am excited about these directors because they know storytelling economy. And that's, that's important to have in horror. I mean, like how many times do we have a deep dive on a movie where one of us, or sometimes both of us are like, we just didn't care about these characters enough. And like, that really makes the movie suffer. You know, we talk about a movie like My Animal, where we didn't really care about anybody. And then look, I mean, we're just like, meh. Yeah. But in this one, we care about all of them. And we care about what's going to happen to them. To me, the one thing that kept this movie from being a five-star rating for me personally was that it kind of, like the ending, I didn't know why it was happening, you know, and it... It kind of doubles back on its own mythology a little bit. Yeah. It makes you think. But it does make you think in kind of a white noise kind of way, but it doesn't end like with the O. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know? So I get that. And I, you know, I, I think uh, I think that's why I didn't give it the full five as well. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it literally was just the, the last act of the movie. Yeah. And, but that's not to say that it wasn't an enjoyable last act. I just think that, I think that it didn't quite fit the rest of the film. Yeah. But this movie, like Chris said, is slated for release in July. And I feel like out of everything that we watched at the festival, this has the highest potential to be like the horror success of the year. Yeah. I feel like this movie could make a shit ton of money, both if they if they marketed it well and by great word of mouth. 
And I feel like once it comes to theaters and audiences start to see it and people start to get scared by it, it's going to take off. Yep. And it is just going to be a huge phenomenon. Mark our words. Mark our words. I mean, we said we're not going to oversell it, but too fucking late. I need to open up a drink for our next movie, though. And that is another horror film that's coming to Hulu and one that we were all surprised with. And that's a movie called Appendage. Right. And so the synopsis of this movie uh, kind of going into it was like, you know, a girl uh, has something growing out of her that is like upends her life. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, okay, interesting. So we go and watch this and it ends up being Muppety horror gold. That's right. I mean, all they said, they were like, it's body horror at its finest. I mean, and all they have to say is body horror at its finest. And I'm like, well, we're going to go to this. And this turned out to be one of the most fun funny and just like endearing and engaging fucking horror movies that I have seen in a very long time. Yeah. The only problems I had with it, I think you gave it like a five and I might've given it a four because we ended up with a combined rating of four and a half again, you know? And so this is another big winner of the, of the festival. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun. And the only thing on the complaint I have is that they really needed to double down on the, on the Muppetry, in mm-hmm. my opinion. But for some others, for general audiences, I could see that it might have struck a balance. So I'd be really, really interested out of all of these to see how many of you really enjoy Appendage. That's right. And like the thing is that we were so shocked by the direction that this movie takes very early in it. Right. Like it gets shocking very, very early. Uh, we can't. We just can't spoil it. You know? But I feel like out of everything that we watched at the festival, this is the one that I would just show to every single person, whether they like horror movies or not. I would like, oh, my fucking God, you need to sit down and watch Appendage with me right now because it is fun. And I laughed my fucking ass off the whole time. And that was one of those where we didn't sit together. Uh, We were like two people apart and I could just hear you just like start cracking up as soon as that, you know, thing happened. But I mean, it's yeah, it's just one of those where it's a great group watch. I mean... You guys listen to our podcast. You know what my laugh sounds like. Okay. Now imagine something so shockingly funny happens in a movie where I'm not expecting to laugh. Like I thought it was going to be a straightforward movie. And like, I'm sure that my cackle resounded throughout all of fucking New Orleans because it's just good. And when we say fucking Muppety, we mean Muppety. (laughs) I'd like to say speaking of Muppety, but I can't. Because our next is Late Night with the Devil. We rated this a four star. I, and it's not a bad movie. It was a good movie. Yeah. You know, I just, um, I it, this is another one that I was kind of looking forward to after I read the synopsis of it. And it's it's about a, like a, a 1970s talk show host. Think like Johnny Carson, right? And this is someone who's directly competing with Johnny Carson and is almost there in the ratings. He's almost becoming like king of late night. Um, and he has this like weird Halloween special episode where he brings on a girl that may or may not be possessed by a demon and things happen. And it's presented in a found footage kind of way, which I normally don't really care for, but it works for this. I didn't realize it was found footage. I guess it, kind of like reading the synopsis, you know, I figured it was going to be just like the taping or, or something, but I guess you could consider that. So it's kind of a new, fresher take on found footage. Right. It works. Because it's supposed to have been filmed, you know? You know, it's and it's supposed to be like you know wide release you know like this was on tv right you know and then it has like the behind the scenes that is filmed a little bit differently uh where they're filming it and so you know some of that 
I, I could have, I almost wanted it more of like a fresh, like this was just the taping. Right. You know, catch a little bit of what's happening behind, you know, maybe using the same cameras, but it was fresh. It was interesting. It was, it was fun. I don't know if I'm going to rush out to see it again Yeah. because it is kind of a, a little gimmicky. Like it's very high concept, you know, um, but it's definitely worth a watch, you know, and I, I, I probably will be hungry to watch this again eventually. Eventually. Yes. Because I feel like this was a, a, a good movie. Um, Again, the thing that sort of like kept me from giving it a higher rating is the third act. And that seems to be kind of a theme when talking some of these movies. Like they, they start out very strong, yeah. so strong that I, I feel I, I can't give it a low rating. Like the, the first two acts are amazing. Get to that third act and it's like. It's like once you open the mystery box, they don't quite know how to end it. You know? Right. It's like Stephen King syndrome, yeah. clearly, you know. And I, I feel like if they had just made a different choice and not even the whole last act. We're talking like maybe the last, like just wrapped it up movie. faster. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but performances were really, really good. I really liked that, like take on found footage. I think that, you know, we were talking about it after we watched it and we were kind of hoping to see some like fake 70s style commercials during the quote unquote commercial breaks during yeah. it. And that would have made it just a little bit campy or something, maybe a little bit more fun because this I movie really gets to very see serious. The, the Mandy style Cheddar Goblin commercial. I mean, that would have been amazing, but um, it didn't have that, you know, but it's not to say that it was a, a bad movie. In yeah. fact, it seemed like people really liked it. Yeah. Speaking of something that people are going to say they really like, but we didn't really as much. Yeah. Evil Dead Rise. Now talk about high expectations. Yeah. We went in like, I didn't know if I went in with high expectations, actually. I did. You know, uh, because I, I didn't really, I never really dug the trailer as much as other people, I guess. You know, they're taking Evil Dead and they're putting it into the city. Yeah. And they're making a lot of homage with with that, with like the wires and, and the elevators and everything else is kind of like the vines of the tree, you know, and they're so they're doing a lot of that. But they're also paying almost too much homage by actually putting Ash's lines in other characters' mouths and then also doing straight up, not just homage, but straight up rips from other horror movies like The Shining Elevator Doors with the blood, uh-huh. you know, and outside of that, I didn't really care about. You know, once again, they make the children and, you know, in charge of what's happened, trying to lean on audience built in empathy for kids. And I just don't really have that as much. I don't either. witnessed that in recent uh, recent films that we've covered on this podcast. And so, like, I really wished they had gone in, in even more like balls to the wall, army of darkness or evil dead Two kind of way. And when they describe this as like the middle ground DNA between evil dead 2013 mm-hmm. and the original series like i it's true right it they're is. going a little bit more into the camp direction but not quite enough to make it full evil dead for me and i okay this is a hard one to review because i i liked it i liked it as a movie i had fun watching it and i i feel like i relied too heavily on other people's reviews Okay, so this had its world premiere at South by Southwest just a a mere couple weeks before we got to see it. And so things were already on Letterboxd. Things were circling around on social media about how amazing it was and how relentless it was. I think I saw that in more than one review saying that once this gets started, it is like nonstop. And so I was expecting 90 minutes of, you know, just like sheer fucking craziness, like crazy, violent antics and what we got was a movie that i don't even think is 90 minutes long and 
I don't know when they say it gets started because it has, it has an interesting opening and then it has a lot of exposition. And to me, it feels like this movie wanted to be a sequel, but it also wanted to be a reboot of a reboot. It wanted to be everything. It wanted to be an original it movie. It wanted to please everyone too. Yeah. And it, you end up, you know, not pleasing the people that wanted, that you probably need to please the most. Which would be the nostalgia camp, in my opinion. Yeah. And some of that is just straight up fan service and obviously fan service, like the putting Ash's lines in someone else's mouth. A lot of people are going to take that as not well, like me. I don't, I didn't have a problem with that so much. I just, and this is coming from someone who likes both the original like trilogy. I also really, really liked the remake. I thought the remake is an excellent movie. It's just a different kind of movie tonally, right? And so if you're going to try to combine the camp, of that original trilogy and just like the seriousness of the reboot, right? And Fidi Alvarez's movie is is good. I don't know, just like choose one or the other. Yeah, it's all right. Like I, I just feel like okay, so you're trying to modernize it. What you're really doing is making it mediocre and like every other horror movie. Evil Dead has its own strain of DNA, and if you're going to try and make an Evil Dead movie, if you think you know better than Sam Raimi fuck off even though he's producing it like mm-hmm. he's letting these directors do their own thing drag me to hell is more of an evil dead movie than these are to me well he directed that one so exactly because it's his tone mm-hmm. that's not to say there's not good moments in this i mean i, I feel like a lot of horror fans are going to go see this movie and I'm, I'm glad now that now having seen it i'm glad that they didn't go with their original release plan and just putting it straight on hbo max i feel like this movie needs to be in the theater i think that people need to go pay money to see this movie um because it's gonna make some money it's gonna make some cash and a lot of people are gonna come out of it loving it and i don't know if they're just saying that because it's evil dead or whatnot i guess we'll just have to see how it performs but this will be out at the end of april so i mean you guys go watch it. Let us know what you think about it. Like, I, I feel like the horror community is like hungry for it. And I'm just curious to know what everyone thinks. I, f- I feel like I have a feeling like it'll be embraced kind of like Scream 5 or 6 was, you know, maybe 5 more than 6 because it's not as good of a movie as Scream 6. And Scream 6 just surpassed the $100 million mark. And that's the first time that that's happened in that franchise since Scream 2. Yeah. So, I mean, like horror is still performing very, very well. And I think this one's going to be no exception. Uh, did we talk about our combined rating for this already? I believe so, but it's three and a half. Yeah, three and a half for Evil Dead Rise, and I expected it to be a lot higher than I wanted that. it to be higher. Yeah, yeah. But guys, when we tell you the line to see Evil Dead was immense, we were the second people in line. We were the second people in line. Uh, we got there more than two hours early to get in line. Chris was nice enough to sit in line while I left for a minute, but. My God, there were so many people there to see Evil Dead. And I'm not even sure if they put it on another screen or not, if they showed it on they multiple things, I don't know. like Talk To Me was. Because if not, a lot of people were. But they were just running up and down the lines being like, you can't hold places, you can't hold places, don't go to the bathroom, don't go to the tree. They didn't say that quite, but they were kind of alluding it. Yeah. You know, and they were kind of freaking out that there were so many people. And like, you, you kind of knew that this was going to be the blockbuster of this whole festival. It had to be. People are hungry for this movie. And this was the only film that they, literally someone came in and said, don't pull your cell phone out. Like, they were afraid people were going to like record this movie. And I... That that's just how ready people are for it. And I don't know. It was it was a good get for this festival. And I'm glad that we got to watch it before a lot of other people so we could do something like this and like tell you yeah. about it. Well, speaking of things that we can't tell you about. <laughs> the smellerly. 
We watched a movie called The Elderly, which I liked more than you did, but our combined score is a three star. Mm -hmm. We can't say much about this because there is a review hold. That's right. Let's just say that it's a movie. It is about the elderly. Mm -hmm. And and things. I'm not saying it's the elderly. (laughs) But it's the elderly. Um... uh, yeah, I don't know what we can and cannot say, really. It's it's a Spanish-language film. It sounded very, very interesting via the synopsis. And so much so that I told Chris, I was like, this seems like it's something that's right up your alley because they they describe it as something that sounds very much like a movie that we both really liked a couple years ago called Relic. You know? Yeah, it did. They made it seem like that's what it was going to be. And the more this movie goes on, the less like that it is. Exactly. Until... Not to give anything away or have an actual review, but uh, my good friend and co-host Chris turned to me and said something about what he thought the ending was going to be. And I thought to myself, no. And there it was. (laughs) Good call. But for the rest of us, was it a good call? And at the end, he turned to me and said, I was just like, fuck you. Let's leave. <laughs> so there you go. Wasn't my fault. No, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that they made the Smelderly, but they did. All right. Next up. And lastly, really, for the features, we saw the Artifice Girl. And this is something that we actually had to miss at the festival. And so we were able to get a screener from the great folks over at the Overlook Film Festival press team. And we actually ended up rating this a four and a half because it is excellent. And to be fair, this was this was my only five-star rating from the festival. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I rated it a four and you rated it a five. Mm-hmm. Actually, you rated it a four and a half and I rated it a five. Oh, yeah. For those, I'm, I don't rate perfect fives unless we're both fives. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Okay. So, yeah, because uh, this movie, this fucking movie, y'all. Great script, great acting, um, like one or two locations and like the same actors. Like it's a stage play, but it's just really, really well scripted with a few caveats. Uh, and there's like a little bit of a blocking issue where they're like trying to make room for other actors in front of the screen sometimes yeah, because yeah. their the room is so small that they're in sometimes, you know, but this is really, really tautly done. And it's a really excellent example of building an entire world from just a room and a script. That's right. Because right? you can really imagine what this is doing. Like it's it's they're talking about the world. They're talking about what this is doing and they're, te- they're storytelling. They're doing exposition the entire movie in such a way that is painting a picture of the world and the state of the world and what they're doing. And uh, it's really, really excellently cleverly done. And it's a really, really good example of how much you can do with how little. And so it's definitely something if you are into talkers, you know, really like script heavy movies uh, that are intimate. Like, this is a, a really good one. But it's not a horror movie, really. It's not. It's, it's not. not. No. I know. After we watched this the other night, I went to someone and I was just like, you know what? This is not This is not a horror movie. No. It's, it's not even adjacent. No, not really. Like, you could maybe make an adjacency argument, but the toe would be so far on that line that it's literally almost over. The horror movie happened before the movie started. Exactly. Right. It's it's the aftermath of the horror movie is what it is. That doesn't make it a bad movie. And it's still a genre film. It's not trauma, really. Yeah. It's just a, it's a little, it's a little bit more science fiction-y than it is horror. Technology and trauma. Yeah. And, um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. You know, this is a very, very, very good movie. I was blown away by this. And yeah, like small casts, small locations is kind of my jam. And I just, I enjoy things like that. I enjoy things that are very stage play-esque. And this doesn't disappoint in that. But the performances in this movie are so good. Yep. The script is so good. There are some monologues in here 
that just give me a fucking boner. They were just amazing. <laughs> the the woman in this movie, and I, I don't know her name. I have never seen her in film before. I've never seen her in anything before. But she is just so good in her role. She delivers her lines so well. I imagined this would be a role that Meryl Streep would have taken. Yes. I imagine this is a movie, like a role with one of the greats. She She's right up there with them shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. And yet another thing, like if this was out, like I would almost expect like an Oscar nom, you know? That's my argument exactly, exactly. Because I got someone else to watch this movie and I was just like, okay, if, 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 if a studio grabbed this and had enough faith in it and really really campaigned for this i feel like this is oscars yeah and i don't know if it's been picked up or if it's hulu or if it's, no it's coming out in like two weeks okay at the time of this recording and it's gonna have a very very limited theatrical release because the academy changed their rules this year and um and it's going straight to vod okay. so the thing is it's like movies like artifice girl movies like talk to me which will get a large theatrical release you know Word of mouth has to happen. You know, I, I cannot stress to our listeners enough how good this movie is and kind of how important this movie is, how thought provoking this movie is for our future from a technology standpoint and what can be possible, what is kind of already possible, right? Because didn't we just watch a video on TikTok that had AI in it? Yeah. Actors. Yeah. And that's what this movie is about, right? The future of technology and where it can take us as society and us as people when we use it and how we view artificial intelligence and how we talk to each other about artificial intelligence. It's just so amazing. I just can't. I can't yeah. with this movie. Very good. I feel like I'm like gushing all over it. Yeah. But worth it. Completely worth it. And the child actress in this movie. Excellent. Phenomenal. Just, uh, I've, I don't think I've seen a child performance like this just ever just good go watch this fucking movie please yeah it's right up there with, like claudia from interview the vampire right or like sometimes. anna pack one from the piano or something like that yeah. i mean like just good she used to do a lot of things she's the background of the movie yeah but we also saw some shorts uh i don't know how much we want to talk about this other than like maybe uh the awards that were given out for the audience you know we can talk about some of the ones that were uh nominated well, are there any that like stood out to you as just, you know, excellent? Well, I don't know because uh, I don't know where people are going to be able to see these, if, if, if at all. So I know that one of them at least is on Hulu right now. Okay. So you could literally go and watch the short film called Snatched. So it is, it is playing on Hulu and it was one of the short films from the block of queer horror, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I was very excited to see. And I know that... Like, Chris and, and, you know, we're very excited about queer horror in general because we're gay guys. But um, this movie, this short film was funny. You know, it, it, the message got a little muddy for me by the end of it. But yeah, it was still a fun watch. Definitely. Yeah. And I think our favorite was Violet Butterfield, makeup artist for the dead. Yeah. I feel like we all walked out of that wanting more, yep. right? If not a feature film, we feel like there's a lot of world building that could be done on a series level for this. Yeah. Like a wraparound or something. Yeah. And where so, we get people coming into the beauty shop and telling their story or whatever, uh-huh. like tales from the crypt, but a beauty shop. It's hilarious. It's really, really good. I feel like, I feel like this one would be available for people to watch as well. It, it's got to be because I f- that one won the audience award, right? Violet Butterfield in the flesh. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) 
I mean, out of all the dialogue that we heard in all these movies and shorts, that's what we walked out of. Yeah. yeah so the short film to receive the 2023 audience award was Violet Butterfield, makeup artist for the dead. And the runner up was Snatched. So there you go. Two queer horror shorts, which I thought were good. I enjoyed both of those. For real. And yeah. then uh, the feature film audience award went to Late Night with the Devil, which is interesting to me with a runner up being Clock. So here's the thing. Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about this. Okay, so we have gone to the Overlook two times now. We yeah. went last year, and th- that was our first time going to a film festival, right? Yeah, as the film climber, sure. And I, I had never been to one. It was my first film festival oh, okay. of all time. And um, there were a few snafus last year, right? And not so much that would make me not want to go back, because obviously we did. Their snafus know? were different this year based on changes, yes. right? And that's kind of understandable. The 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 snafus that were the same that didn't change were on the theater side, mm-hmm. right? Like the lights not dimming and the music or the volume being too low or oh, too yeah, high. Yeah. You know, the front lights being on so you can't even see the screen when the movie starts. Like those types of things. You know, that's the that's the theater not really knowing how to, you know, show movies. Um, but I don't know. It's a cool location, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't want to shit on Britannia that much or Canal Place because they're such a good partner. They to are. The festival, you and know, but they like, like you do one thing, you know, like show movies, like figure it out. Be best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like those things were fine. And the thing is, is I feel like I feel like the Overlook learned some things as a festival and they they made for me a very very enjoyable experience yeah. they were much more uh like a well-oiled machine very much with the exception of the new changes yeah so um voting <laughs> voting i'm an active voter i vote all the time oh yeah give and me your polls that's right and uh so when i see movies especially when there's an audience award, I expect to vote for every single movie that I see, yeah. right? If I'm, if I'm given the opportunity to give a one to five star rating on the movie that I just walked out of, I'm going to give it every single time because the minute I walk out of that theater, I would vote for that movie. And then I would get onto Letterboxd and do the exact same thing. I guess. This is what yeah. I do when I watch movies same. and you. So last year we voted on paper, Yep, which seems archaic, right? Well, we didn't get those papers every time either. But we didn't, but was almost every single time. Yes. Yeah. Very consistent. This time it was all done by email when they scanned your badge. And I would say that 90% of the time they didn't scan my badge or, or they scanned it and it was the wrong movie. Right. And so half the time we would get the wrong movie to vote for. And the other half, we wouldn't get anything at all. And when they're scrambling to, to scan it, did you scan them? Oh, yeah, I scanned them. No, you just clicked, you know, you clicked your little clicker to see how many people were in line, you know. And so I can't really trust these audience awards. Nope. Because literally we went to 75% of the showings at this place, if you know, and actually more because a good 20% of that's missing you know, 100% well, is from the shorts that we didn't see from one block of, of shorts. And I don't know how this happens or not, but they scanned my badge for clock because I got the notification that I was in clock, right? And then I never got a voting email for it. But some of us would and some of us wouldn't. So I, and so it's like it, even when it did work, it didn't work all the time. And so they're, the voting on this, I have to guess, is super sporadic at best. Yeah. Right? And so these audience awards, to me – gonna have to take it with more than a pinch of salt and i feel like if if that if that's our biggest like issue with the festival then i think that's still fine i mean exactly yeah 
because it, it like you said, it was a well-oiled machine. Like their schedule was perfect enough. They did us. not change anything that I saw. They added things. They did not. Change they added anything. more screenings. They 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 gave us more opportunities to see things. The schedule was in such a way that we could very easily walk out of a movie and get into line for the next one and not miss it. Right. Yeah. Like there was plenty of opportunity to see all of these movies. And I mean, I have to say again, like the caliber of movies that we saw this year at the festival is very, very, very high. Last year, I walked out of it saying, oh, my God, we saw really good movies this year. It's like times 10. Yeah. Like we would have like a moment where it was like a drink in the desert, you know, last year where we would like watch three bad movies and then watch one really, really good one. Uh And this year it was like, good movie, good movie, great movie, great movie. Okay. Okay. Last year, the bad movies made the good ones better. Yes. And this year, the great movies made the okay ones worse, you know, because there was so many good ones. So they did really good programming this year. I don't want to give them all the credit because we had really good filmmakers, you know, it's true. So uh, some of it's uh, curation. Mm-hmm. And some of it is, uh, you know, happenstance, but the festival's growing. And so they're able to attract more world premieres and, you know, more of this and that. And so uh, we'll definitely, you know, consider going again, you know, for a I third time. I would love time. to. I, I really, I, I, I like the, I like the venue. It's, it's close to the French quarter. It's easy to like leave and go do things and come back or like get some fresh air and come back and watch some movies. Um, I feel like the festival attracts filmmakers who want to like have their world premieres there. I think that people just naturally want to go to new Orleans and it's a good place to have a horror film festival. I feel like the overlook tries really hard to have an external experience for those who just don't want to go see movies. And that's not something that really me and Chris really do very often. You know, they had like special events and like parties and things like that. I think that we go to like watch the films. Yeah. Well, um, we, we also went as press. That's true. Right. And so, yeah, both years in a row, like we didn't go to the big party. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't go to the other theater across town, which they had a shuttle this time for. But we yeah. didn't we didn't take it out because we didn't want to have to take the shuttle, go and meet, you know, Nicholas Cage or John Goodman. Or whoever, and then come back and miss movies. You know, like the whole point is to see all of these movies as much as we can. And next year, maybe we'll be more strategic and like take advantage more of the screeners. But there's something about sitting down in that dark room. Yeah. You know, and watching things, you know, it is. And I, like we said earlier, I like to be one of those first people. If they, if they say this is a world premiere, I want to be one of those very first people to watch this movie. Horror feels good in a place like this. My my biggest regret, though, from The Overlook is that I did not go see Joe Dante in person and listen to Joe Dante talk. I didn't really want to watch Matinee. It's not my favorite Dante film. But, um, you know, I wanted to go see that man and just experience him in person. But, like, I, I already know, like, what kind of crowd was going to be there. And we would have missed some other things. And I just wasn't prepared to do that. Yeah. So. What I'd like to see in the future... Uh, certainly for press would be like less of the celebritizing, less of the like the party thing, you know, like and more of like, hey, you know, this half the day or like this, like the the wraparound days are when we could actually sit down with the directors and the cast and have those press junket days or something like that and ask them those questions, you know, maybe after we've seen these to where it's not going to bump into a different movie schedule, you know, something like that. But I know that that's tough. And probably impossible to do and to coordinate with all those people. And so I get it. There were some filmmakers that reached out to us and said, we're going to be available, you know, like we'll be in town. Just like last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But 
it's kind of hard to to do that when you're trying to fit everything into your schedule. And like I said, we wanted to watch as many movies as possible. And we ended up watching a lot more movies this year than we did last, especially if you count the shorts. Oh, yeah. So like we we made the most of our festival going experience. And like I I'm ready. I would go back. I would go back next year. I'd go back the year after that. I really like this festival a lot. It's close to home. It's in a city that I like. So sign me up. Overlook. For reals. For real, for real. And thanks for the two press passes, which we know was a little out of the ordinary. That's right. So uh, we got to experience this. We got to experience this with with people with us and get like an idea of what other people think about movies. And I, it was just a really, really fun experience. So. so all of the movies that we discussed are going to be in the show notes. So if you happen to see them in the future, if you're listening to this as kind of a backlog episode, let us know what you thought of any of these. We do read old comments no matter how old the episode is. That's true. So we always will welcome your opinions on The Overlook. And this is a film festival that you can get passes for. This is not just for press. This is for anyone that loves movies or horror movies. And you can get individual tickets to these showings. Mm-hmm. And you can get a pass that goes to the entire length of the festival. And they have early bird deals. And so you can get these for just like 100 bucks, And then by the end, it's like 250 or something. So anyone can do this. It's not just us. And we kind of expected to see some of you there because we know at least some of you have family or friends in New Orleans if not live there. That's right. You know, so we kind of half expected people to kind of walk up to us and be like, hey, bitches, but didn't happen. Maybe next year. And when he's saying $100, that's true. I mean, literally, it's four days of festival, five days this time, right? Yeah. For 100 bucks, if you get that early bird thing. Like, come on, patronize this festival, make it even bigger and just like draw all the people to it, draw all the filmmakers to it. The more people show up, the bigger it's going to get. And eventually we can just take over the entire Britannia for the entire weekend, every screen. Yeah. And as usual, they'll announce this and we'll just like we did this January and February, we'll be telling you as it gets closer that, hey, we're going to overlook. Hey, we're going to overlook. And this is going to be there. We did that several Shooting the Flames episodes in a row for several months. And so we'll do that again next year just to remind you. That's true. Well, I think that just about wraps up our hot take on the Overlook Film Festival. And like Chris said just a little bit ago, we want to know what you think about these movies. Are you excited to see them? Did we pique your interest on some? Have you seen them already? Let us know on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972 972- Six 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 seven seven three three. Oh, stroke my appendage. Uh, <laughs> accuse my elderly with the artifice. My <laughs> biological clock is ticking like this. <laughs> oh. I don't know. It's trim season. <laughs> <laughs> guys this is just the start of all of our april content it's comedy month and we are doing something fun very fun and talking about some trauma movies right so first off is the toxic avenger and then the next week after we're talking about the class of newcomb high that's right so get ready for some inappropriate humor and lots and lots of laughs 
That's right. And uh, the trauma doesn't stop there. We're going to traumatize you over on Patreon, too. There's going to be a poll of other trauma films. So head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers. Join the family and tell us which one to watch. That's right. And lastly, if you enjoyed all of this content about the Overlook and want to leave us a five-star review and tell us why you like our podcast, do that over on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and we're going to read that on the next Shooting Films. Well, Robert, I think it's time to grab a hold of this palmistry hand and ask it to talk to me. That's right. Maybe I'll let you in. And have some sweet dreams. dreams. (laughs) It's trim season. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha,